What's up, my confidence queens? Are you ready to feel confident as fuck? I'm your host, the confidence queen herself, Alicia Lechuga, and I am your confidence bestie. I went from trying to shrink my body in order to find happiness and approval to finally letting go of dieting, others' opinions, and inspiring hundreds of women along the way. This podcast is all about confidence, living unapologetically as yourself daily, and ultimate self-love. This is Confident as Fuck. Okay, welcome back to Confident as Fuck. We are here with Amber. I am so freaking excited. So this is like a really unconventional, I guess, meeting of us. Um, So Amber is Renee. You guys know Renee, my husband. Amber is Renee's high school friend. So they went to high school together. Amber and I have actually never met in person, but we are very close online. So we um, talk a lot online and then um, sometimes Renee takes over my DMS and we'll talk to Amber for a long time through voice messages and reminisce about high school days. So <laughs> this is Amber, everybody. Welcome Amber. Thank you. so Hello. much. For being on. <laughs> thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you. It's exciting. I've never done anything like this. Yeah. I was talking about the podcast and I was just kind of like, you know, talking to Renee and he's like, you should have Amber on. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, she owns a tattoo shop with her husband. And I was like, oh, I didn't even, I guess I didn't even realize that. And Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, you should have her on and talk about it. I was like, you're right. Okay. Yep. (laughs) So here we are. Here we are. So, um, like I said, Amber owns a tattoo shop with her husband, but I think you guys own two now. You guys just acquire another one. Um, no. So we owned one in California years ago, sold Mm. it in preparation to get out of California and then helped our buddy open this one here in Central Oregon, and then recently just took over ownership in July. So this is our second shop we've owned, but we only own one right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna get into like what it's like to work with your spouse. I know that that's a big topic that um, mm-hmm. you guys want Renee to talk about on the podcast. Of course, um, he does not want to be on until he can be a significant number of the episode, like 50 or 69 (laughs) or 420. So (laughs) good man. So he won't be on for a while. So I did want to bring Amber on for that specific reason. So we'll get into like what it's like working with your spouse, what it's like being with them, you know, pretty much all the time working relationship, going to like, um, you know, intimate relationship to parenting, all those things. And we'll talk about everything. So before we do that, let's do our weekly fave. Do you have a weekly fave? So weekly fave. Okay. So recently, um, in my tattoo career, I've kind of like hit a, like a brick wall of inspiration. Just kind of like, like if I have to do another tattoo that I've done 10 times this month, I'm going to shoot myself. So I like really took control of that. And I told Rory, I was like, I'm so sick of doing the same shit over and over and over again. And it's, it's like first world problems, like, oh, darn, you get to tattoo. But you know, it's like when you're a constant creative, it's hard to not feel inspired. And then you just turn into a robot. So um, this week, actually, I pumped out three new pieces of artwork that are just like, super fun for me. I'm hoping and praying that somebody wants to get them tattooed, but if not, I'm just really valuing the time that I'm spending with myself to 
create this new artwork. That's like, I love that. I've been obsessed with it. Like the second the kids are out of my way, I'm like on my iPad tinkering with it some more. I just ordered some new prints. So I'm just kind of tapping back into my creative side and not my producers like production side. I love that. I love that. I think that would be so needed. Like you said, when you're like tattooing what everyone else wants all the time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you're like, fuck, I don't know. I don't remember my creative side or I haven't yeah. tapped into it in so long. Yeah, totally. It's, it gets, it gets, you get really stagnant. Cause you're like, well, I have to make money. Mm-hmm. I have to do what the people want. But at what point do I throw up the boundary and say, I can't do another one of those pieces, you know, not to like name any of them out. Cause I don't want anybody listening, to like, but that's my piece. But like, <laughs> I was just waiting for you that too. I was like, what is it going to be? What is what it going to be? There's, there's a handful that I'm just like, I feel like I'm on repeat. So I'm stoked to just create something that makes me feel good. And then it makes like doing those things that I'm not super stoked about a little less painful. Cause I'm like, well, but I just did something really bitching that I'm super stoked on. So I'm trying to like wash away the pain with some pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Balance it. Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, my fave is a book. Um, it's called magnetic mindset. I'm looking at mm-hmm. it right here because I keep calling it the wrong name. Um, but it's by an author who is like a, ma- a manifesting coach on Instagram gala oh. darling. Mm-hmm. pretty popular. I didn't really even realize this. This was a recommendation from Patrice who was on episode nine, I think. Um, and she recommended to me, I bought it and then I just haven't, I didn't read it. Mm-hmm. And I read so many like books recently that are like more masculine in the like, okay, we're going to look at this part of your subconscious and then we're going to go into this part of your ego. And then we're going to like, think about this. And then I, I felt like I wanted something more like, kind of like girly more in your feminine. So Mm -hmm. that book has been really, really nice. It's, um, very conversational and it's like translating a lot into my work. So that's, I've been really loving it. So I'm check that out because I think being in the tattoo industry, we have to live in the masculine mindset so much, um, just to like even survive. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I think my weekly fave kind of leaned more into my flow, which is my more feminine side. And I, so I love that you bring that up. I'm going to have to read that book because I do, I, I am more masculine in energy, but when I really like tap into my feminine side and like my flow and my um community side of life like things seem to thrive so much more effortlessly but it's not my it's not my go-to it's not my mm-hmm. initial go-to it's like oh I should probably try to be a little bit softer and try to just like feel more instead of do more yeah Does that make- no for sure I feel like that is exactly where I was like tapping into my feminine was like fucking uncomfortable for me for Mm -hmm. a really long time Mm -hmm. until maybe even like the last few years. And I'm like, Oh, like I can, I don't have to be like in this survival mode where I'm like working all the time and, um, or like creating something for value all the time, you know, I can just exist like, wow. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, okay. Um, okay. Let's go into, uh, confidence corner.
what did you do this week that made you feel confident? Instilled a little confidence into my daughter. Yes. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear this. Okay. So my sweet girl, her name's November. She's six years old. She just started kindergarten a month ago and absolutely hate loves it. So she hates going, but she loves it once she's there. And so it's been, you know, just behaviorally really hard for us to navigate through because me and my husband are both like pretty, we just kind of, we just do things like, and I think my husband probably is this way out of, um, he's figured out how to cope with his anxiety. I never really dealt with much anxiety. So like, I just, if I wanted to do something, I would do it. Um, and if I was told to do something, I just did it because like mom and dad told me I needed to go to school. I fucking went to school. Like I didn't fight it, but my daughter is like every morning, just like losing it every morning, all the way to school. She's having like a full on panic attack in the backseat. It's ter. It's honestly the worst. Like my mama heart is like, do I, do I push her out of the nest a little bit and show her she's going to grow her wings and she's going to be okay. And do I also like honor these feelings and not like just squash them and be like, you're fucking fine. Cause that like my go-to is you're fucking fine. But like, I'm like, that's not, you can't be that way with a six-year-old, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like trying to honor her feelings, honor her, you know, her intuition and her anxieties that she's having, but also like tell her like, you're not, you're not going to die. Like it's going to be okay. So two weeks ago, I met with a behavioral therapist to just try to gain some tools on how to kind of walk with her on this journey of this new world she's entering. And then this week, yesterday, actually, she got to meet the behavioral therapist for the first time. And there's like this weird stigma about therapists, right? Like you're like, oh, I don't want my kid to be diagnosed with something. I don't want there to be like something wrong with her. But like, she's clearly having coping issues and she's clearly like on struggle bus every morning. So what can we do to help her? So yesterday we got to go and she got to meet the therapist and my husband's like, you know, he's kind of nervous about it too, but he's also like, shit, she's exactly like me. I wish somebody would have like helped me when I was her age instead of been like, just go, you know, or trick to go to school. Like my mother-in-law would literally like trick him. And then he would be like, fuck to be here I thought we were going to the grocery store and then like he hated it he always felt like he was kind of being just pushed away when you know he just needed to go to school so I'm trying to teach her like you're not being pushed away you're just being coaxed out the nest a little bit and um so it was just really interesting because yesterday the therapist got to meet her and observe her and a lot of the observation is through play because you know like a six-year-old isn't going to straight up tell you like I'm having anxiety like so she's asking her like really basic questions and I felt really proud to be the mom sitting there with the intention of helping my daughter instead of ignoring an issue and so that made me feel good. being a mom oh I'm gonna cry Woo, shit um let it out the fucking hardest thing in the world and with my daughter I experienced um postpartum depression borderline psychosis so I was a nut job after she was born and so to be able to be the one to facilitate um 
change or growth or give her tools to cope with how hard this world is, like makes me feel really proud to be that mom instead of the mom that like, and not to knock any moms because it's literally the hardest job in the world. But I just never want to be the one that neglects her feelings and her intuition because it's so strong. And how many times have you heard of kids that are like, man, if somebody would have just listened to me when I was six. Yep. And so I just never, you know, all the time, like, oh, something was happening. And I told my mom and dad, and they told me I was crazy. And they told me I was lying or they told me it was my imagination or, you know, so it's like, I never want to, you know, in hindsight, be like, man, I wish I would have listened to her when she was six. So that made me feel really, really good as a mom and really confident that like I'm doing good things for her. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, Holy shit. I feel <laughs> like you just really fucked my world up over here <laughs> because I'm like, okay, so I, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for sharing that because that's huge. And being a mom is the hardest job in the world. And I don't even have that job yet. So it's insane. But, the more I like grow up and the more I interact more with moms, um, in my day-to-day life, I'm like, fucking a dude, like this has to be the hardest thing ever. Because like you said, you're balancing that. Like, I want to push her out of the nest, but I also don't want to make her feel unvalued or, mm-hmm. you know, slighted like you were saying. So yeah. Um, and I think finding that balance is extremely hard as parents. So I think you're doing a great job by taking her. Um, Holy shit. I'm like just tripping because this was supposed to be a tattoo shop. So here we are. (laughs) Um, Well, I had to go to therapy when I was a kid for a, like a traumatic incident, but I did feel by going to therapy, I felt some other emotions from my parents, um, like on my end. But now that I'm hearing you say that too, I'm like, you know what, maybe in my mom's eyes or my parents' eyes. And Renee has always told me this too. Like they thought they were doing the best thing. Like they Mm -hmm. thought that they were doing the best thing. And I do see that now also like doing my own work that I'm like, okay, yeah, they probably, you know, what else were they really supposed to do? Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, I'm like, that is really, I mean, being a parent is fucking hard. And I think the I'm so glad that I've waited to be a parent because I'm like, I would have been a completely different parent, you know, 10 years ago. Twenties. Are you kidding? (sighs) I didn't have Nova till I was 30. And that was like, even then I still felt like a complete baby at 30 and now I'm 36. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've got three kids. Fuck, Who trusted me with three? (laughs) Who let me do this? Who was like, good idea. Jesus was like, you know what? This is the one. She's gonna have three. That is so funny. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel. I feel like we all are still babies walking around. Oh. I was talking to somebody about that this weekend. It's like we see our parents as these like ominous beings, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're like by themselves. They're their own entity. They're not mm-hmm. children. But really, like, look, we're thirties in our overgrown 30s, babies we're overgrown babies, right? <laughs> like our parents are still dealing with their own shit with their parents, oh, you know? God, dude. And you know, what's interesting is I heard something the other day where it was like, um, 
we always tell kids and we tell people to act their age. How am I supposed to know how to act like a 36 year old? I've never done this before, but I do know how to act like a two year old, a three year old, a five year old, a 12 year old, a 20 year old, a 28 year old. Yeah. I do know how to act like that. And so sometimes all of those things turn into this 36 year old. And I'm like, oh, maybe when I'm 37, I'll start acting like I was 36. I know, right? Like, it's weird. It's weird being an adult. It's weird. It's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was your confidence piece. I love that so much. Um, What was mine? I feel like. What happened this week? I don't know. Let me think. Well, my parents were here. So my parents are on my mind. I loved that you were eating in front of your mom and that like that was a big one for me. So hard. That was, that w- I don't know if that was it for you, but that was like, that got me because eating disorders run heavy in my family, more binge eating, emotional eating. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, I was like, huh. yeah, I think me. I talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, but, um, I didn't really go into the depth of it. So I guess I'll do that. I can do that now. So like I posted this on my Instagram story, but you guys, I think I have talked about my mom and her, um, recovery with eating and I guess I would call it an eating disorder. Um, but anyways, all growing up, my mom still, actually, my mom is heavily, uh, revolving around food. Like her mind is always revolving around food. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's that she's eating too much or too little or when she's going to eat next or how much she's going to eat or where we're going to go to eat. Um, it is always about food for her. And while I know that she lives in that specific bubble, I always, I think felt very protective of her, um, or scared to step outside of that bubble and for what that might mean for how she views me. Mm -hmm. So when I stopped like dieting, when I stopped like, um, pretending to diet for a while is what I did is like pretending that I gave a fuck about what I ate. Um, I, I especially did that when my parents came. So Mm -hmm. on the last podcast, I talked about how I kind of went back into these old roles. A lot of times when I would go and see my parents for a longer period of time, or they would come here, I would go back into that like childlike role of like feeling like a little bit ashamed of like how I live my life. Um, but this time I was like, okay, no, I'm not doing that. And that even meant for eating a specific way without worrying about what are they going to say? Um, are they going to mention like, Hey, I thought you were working on your body type, or I thought you were, um, I thought you already ate today or whatever the fuck, you know, someone would say, um, and I took a video of myself eating and I was like explaining to my mom, why I take a video of myself eating because, you know, nobody really does that, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was pretty, I mean, I just, I just Mm -hmm. did it, but I made a, it came from a whole weekend. This was the last day that we were together. It came from a whole weekend of me showing up authentically as myself around my parents and not like censoring myself or trying to censor Renee or Mm -hmm. trying to like, make sure, you know, I appear like in a certain way to them. So that was a huge thing for me this week. So yeah, I guess that it will be my confidence piece. I picked it for you, girl. Cause it, it like, it hit me. I, I watched it a couple of times and I was like, took a second. I was like, what is she doing? 
oh, oh. And then it, like, I was able, I kind of brought myself into that position and was like, yeah, because my mom, her whole, her whole world was her weight. And it's, it's still a very huge focus for her. And now I think more so as she's getting older, she's like really focused on her, the healthfulness of it. But she, my whole life was like, it was always a topic. So then it became a focus for me because mm-hmm. I didn't any different. And I remember, I remember in high school losing 30 pounds between ninth grade and 10th grade summer, 30 fucking pounds. And I was like, I think it was like 150 pounds freshman year. So I was like always a little bit thicker, but I was a big old ass. Like I just was that girl and lost 30 pounds. I remember coming to school and people would be like, Oh my God, Amber, you look so good. Like, how did you lose all this weight? And it's so funny because how old was I? 14. Like, would you ever walk up to a 14 year old and go, Oh my God, how did you lose? You would be like, are you okay? But other 14 year olds are like, wow. And my mom was really proud of me. And there was like this just huge bubble of pride surrounding my weight loss. And I remember I was 132 pounds was the smallest I've ever been. I'm almost five, nine. So hundred, that was a fucking rail. And, but it was so, there was so much validation revolved around that. And it honestly, I didn't shed a lot of that until like after having Nova and my body having to change and having to morph into this thing that, you know, there's, there's, there's no real getting back to the original because your bones are different, you know? Yeah. But it was, I remember after Nova being born, my focus went from trying to be skinny because my husband used to hate it. He'd be like, God, Amber, stop talking about how you're so fat. Like he would get so annoyed with me. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I feel fat. And it was just like a part of my inner dialogue. Like just didn't under, I didn't realize how annoying it was to listen to. And then after Nova, it went from being like trying to be skinny to just trying to feel fucking good because I was so depressed. I was like, God, if I could, if, if I could tr- change up my, food intake what could that do for my mental so I started focusing on like gut health and serotonin levels and that kind of feeling rather than what I weighed on the scale and what size pants I wore I was like god I just feel better and so now the best shift ever right yeah food focus is about feeling and I one of my so one of my favorite things you ever said to me so stupid, but oh my God, people tell me these things all the time. And I'm like, what the fuck did I say? No, what did I say? (laughs) You said crop top queen. Oh yes. And I was like, "Ah!" like it was because it was such a, oh, so I'm in the middle of Vegas. I'm at an Arbonne convention. Yes. I remember now. And I was like, so so listen, one of the girls on my team is like a fucking bombshell. Looks like a goddamn mermaid walking through the casino, right? Everybody's turning their heads, right? And she's just beautiful and she's sweet and she's kind and she's like a hardworking woman. So it's not that she's just beautiful, but she, her whole energy is amazing. And so you kind of revert back to that like little girl, like, oh, I don't want to be the fat one. Yep. I don't yep. want to be, the, I guess I'll be the funny one again. Like I've always been the funny friend. So I, was getting dressed and I put on that pink skirt and then I was like what shirt am I gonna wear and I had like this kind of peplum kind of top that kind of flowed over my belly and I put it on and she was like ew no put the black one on and I was like (laughs) like it just felt so like okay the the hot girl told me to put the black one on you know so it was just like 
So I put it on and I was like, wait, she's fucking right. Like I looked so cute. I felt cute. My little tummy was showing, like I just felt good. And so I don't even know where I was going with this, but yeah, that was like one of my favorite things you ever told me. And that like watching you and connect, cause I connected with you before I connected with Renee on Instagram. No, I didn't. I I don't think I realized who you were to him for a very long time. Wait, what? Uh Uh-uh. You were on my For You page. Trippy. I I know. And I started following you and I was like, Lechuga, that sounds fucking familiar. Like, there's no way. And then I was like, oh, she's Renee's lady. And then I started following Renee. Weird. Oh. Whoa. I know. Whoa. And then like just all of all of our friends from high school. I just love seeing you guys all go down to Mexico and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. That's so oh fun. my God, dude, that is tripping me out because yeah. I'm like, I, yeah, I didn't realize who you were. And then I don't know if you said something or made a reference or like laughed yeah. at something with Renee. And I was like, Do yeah, you know someone named Amber. Yeah. Because I don't think that I feel like for most of um how much I hang out with like Pops and Dusty. I feel yeah. like, I feel like I know everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, totally Amber, I don't, I don't remember them saying anything. And then, um, Renee's like, Amber, what? I was like, Hill. He's like, uh, and then he, I'm like, here, let me show you her Instagram. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. Amber okay. Person. Yeah. Yeah. I know her. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, that's my homegirl from high school. I was like, oh, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. And then yeah, but I just assumed that you guys followed each other first and he just didn't put the two and two mm-hmm. together. No. Wow. It's, yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. All fucking world, dude. Um, wearing a crop top is like the most liberating thing ever, I feel. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Why right? is it just like because I think our age group were like midriff was like queen, right? Midriff oh. was like, oh, you are that bitch. If you're showing your midriff, like mm-hmm. if you're not, then obviously you're fat is basically yeah. what it was. Yeah, totally. I never did that. I never showed my freaking midriff. Yeah. Like I wore like two tank tops layered stretched yep. down <laughs> over my hips to try to pretend like I didn't have <laughs> like, what was I doing? We oh, all did that. So annoying. Yeah. But I was is- I was a fucking rail. I don't know what I was worried about. Like I look back at pictures. Like my aunt sent me a picture when I was like 15 or 16 at the pool. And she was like, Who is this? And I was like, wafer thin. But I remember thinking, like, oh my god, I'm putting on this videos. I feel so fat. Yep. So I know. Yeah, that's crazy. I um I feel like that is such a big piece of confidence too when you like. Um, when someone else tells you to like validates you wearing mm-hmm. something, I had a girl's trip that we went to in Solvain and, um, I don't remember, I think I wore something like a bodysuit and then jeans. And then my friend was going to wear something like, um, less like more casual. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, wait, I'm going to wear something like way better now that I see what you're wearing like hold on I need to change so I was like I love that kind of like okay let's vibe off each other let's feed off each other's energy right totally I love that my uh one of my like one of my favorite things to do is to compliment complete strangers yes like I make and sometimes Rory is like Amber do you have to do you know that person I'm like no but I just loved her hair or like you know, her shoes were so rad or we were at dinner one night we were waiting in, um, we were in Corona for, uh, 
our best friend's birthday at some sushi place and we're standing there and there was this woman across the lobby and she was like everything like she was so tall she was like a thicker woman just big curly black hair just she had I mean she was dressed to the nines like she was feeling it right and I just looked over at her and I was like you are incredibly beautiful and she was like oh my god I was staring at you thinking the same thing and it was like it was exactly what both of us needed in that Mm -hmm. moment was for especially for another woman to validate you feel so much better than when a man does like Yes. You know, to a man, to, to most like stranger men, I'm just a warm hole to like her. I'm like, there's no reason that she needs to compliment you. No, she's not going to get anything out of it, but to get it out of her, you know what I mean? And so it was like, it just, I'll never forget it because it was like just the coolest thing. And Rory was like, who was that? And I was like, I don't know, but she was amazing. And he was like, what are you lesbians now? I was like, I might be, I don't know. I like, I okay, you better watch it. Okay. Yeah. Watch it. homie. I just love, um, I love building other women up so much. I think especially because of being in the industry I'm in with tattooing, being a female is becoming more and more regular. There's a lot more female tattooers, but when I started 13 years ago, I was the only chick tattooer in all of the IE pretty much there might've been like one or two others, but like that was it. Um, and you really had to be super like tough and dog eat dog and kind of have a fuck you attitude to make it. And then when I got into network marketing, I really had to shift my gears because that's like a 95% female industry. And I went from being like really competitive with chicks because it was, valuable to be a female tattooer because it was something special you know like people wanted to get a tattoo by a girl for some reason Mm -hmm. and so I was like competitive with girls there but then I got into network marketing and I had to shift my gears because it's 95% female and they are not your competition they are your team their success is your success so it's like it was so empowering to step into that role and realize like lifting others up like you know, rising tides lifts all boats. So it was like, oh, it felt so, that's one of my favorite things about network marketing is empowering other women and just like giving them options and helping them get out of it what they want out of it, whether it's like, you know, fizz sticks to feel like you're alive or like making thousands of dollars extra a month, like whatever it is and anywhere in between making them feel good makes me feel good. I love that. I Um, wanted to touch on that piece too, is that you not only own the tattoo shop with your husband, but you also run a successful business on the side too. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, like, I think you posted something the other day too, saying like a side hustle is the new standard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very true. Like we all own, do something on the side, I feel like, Mm -hmm. or own multiple Mm -hmm. businesses or, uh, like we all have multiple things that we're doing to bring in revenue. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's like the standard. So it's yeah. like, which I love. I'm like, I was always like, I was always like that girl. That's like, has three jobs. Mm-hmm. I always said, even before I like had jobs, I remember me and my friend, um, we were like, you know, what would be really cool if we just changed careers, like every three years, like if we just right. were like, a hairstylist. Then we were like mm-hmm. a nail tech. Then we were like, 
you know, something else, a massage, uh, whatever. Right. Like we were just could change and we didn't have to be held down. So yeah. I love that you're learning and evolving mm-hmm. and like shifting into these different facets right. of who you are, because we're not, I think, you know, like our parents, it's like my dad was a corrections officer and that's what he was right through and through left and right up and down. That was it. My mom worked for the County. She was an office worker and that's what she did. You know, it was like, there was never any one layer dude, one, one facet. They were just flat. And it was like, there was never any opportunity or they didn't seek out opportunity to explore all the other parts of who they are. Right. Like there's so much more to me than just being a tattooer. There's so much more to me than just being a mom to being a wife. Like it's, hundreds and hundreds of facets of things that I'm interested in. And I've literally said the same thing. Like I went and got my nails done for the first time in like forever. And now it's just like a standard. I'm like, I just love doing it, Rory. I'm doing it. And I, the girl do trade work with me. So I tattoo her for nails, which is like fucking rad. And I was like, I think I'm just going to be a nail lady now, Rory. And he was like, like, you want to do nails? And I was like, oh no, I'm just going to be that lady that always has nice nails. And he was like, oh, okay, that's cool. He was like, but I mean, if you wanted to do nails, I guess you'd be good at it. You might want, <laughs> he was like, try it. Try that too. Oh, yeah. Try that too. But like, I love that. Like, why do we have to stay in one lane? Why do I only have to be a tattooer if I can also be a network marketer? Like, why can't I interweave those two things? And that's been something that the tattoo industry around me has been, has had a really hard time adjusting to. They're like, but wait, I thought you were a tattooer. Why are you selling skincare? Well, because I also have fucking skin. Because <laughs> I also am not one dimensional. Like I like multiple yeah. things. Like- <laughs> yeah, I like all kinds of things. I like like Arbon scratches an itch that tattooing doesn't. Tattooing yes. scratches an itch that Arbon doesn't. You exactly. know, it's like going out to dinner with my girlfriend scratches an inch that going out to dinner with my three kids just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it's, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It's, it's I'm normal. Like bitches <laughs> of bug bites everywhere. Um, okay. I want to talk about um, uh, being in business with your husband. So I hold on. Let me see if I got any questions for it because which I should have, wait, I don't know if that was even in your bio, but let me see if we got any questions for it, but I can tell you some questions that I've gotten for it because I get those very often. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the biggest one is like that people always ask us, and this is probably what people ask you too, is like, how do you guys go like balance work and work life And having to like, you're, you also have the, you don't just work together, but you own a business together. That's a totally different animal Mm -hmm. and being like intimate and raising kids and still keeping your relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, romantic and fun Mm -hmm. and also business. So it's interesting because me and Roy were business partners before we were life partners, before we were even dating. Um, We worked at a tattoo shop in Upland who unfortunately had a really toxic owner and his business partner lived out of state. And one day it just like, I think we were all tattooing and the lights cut off. Electricity went out. So we were like, um, we need electricity to work. So me and Rory paid the, like, we called paid the electricity bill. Like we weren't nurse, we were just workers, but we needed to work. Right. So 
we called the business partner, told him what was going on. He was like, well, then I don't want to be a part of it because he's lying to me. So let's like, what can we do to keep the shop alive? And he's like, the only people I would be willing to sell this place to is you guys. So me and Rory were just coworkers. I actually mm. didn't even like Rory at the time. I tried to get him fired. He was like, just, he was like, I'm not just a fucking mess at the time. Right. Like he was just like a crazy, just the typical tattooer, like, you know, just partying all the time. And I had a really corporate background. I had my bachelor's in interior design. So I like approached tattooing as a very structured business and like, you know, took it very seriously and he also took his career seriously but he didn't take his life seriously so I was like this guy's a mess I remember telling the owner at the time like I don't know dude I don't think he's a good look for the shop like and he was like well makes me money so I don't care what he does and I was like okay well whatever so we ended up one day paying the bill and then a week later owning the shop wow and in the midst of this like month of craziness Rory moved in with me just as a homie who needed a couch to sleep on. His girl had just left him. He was just kind of like in between all of these things. And I was like, dude, you can just sleep on my couch. Like I lived like a block away from the shop. And he was like, okay. So he was living with me for like a month. And then we ended up taking over the shop. We found uh, an investor randomly who was one of my clients who had approached me months prior about opening a shop, wanted me to run it. And I was like, yeah, I opened this shop with the owner, you know, starting is hard. So I ended up approaching him and said, Hey, we have an opportunity to buy this shop. Can you come up with some capital? And he said, yeah. So we bought the shop a week later, literally like went to a lawyer, had, a, had it all drawn up. And then we were like, Oh shit, we're like literally in this, like we own this massive shop with eight tattooers it was a huge mess to clean up financially and getting all of our like relationships with all of the vendors and everybody, you know, built back up because the previous owner had just wrecked everything. Um, and then we were like living together still and running this business together and playing house a little bit. And then it was like, and then it was like, so we're playing house. He's not that bad. Kind of, kind of started a girl on you little bit and I was like you're kind of cute and so we one night just it happened and the next day everybody could smell it on us and they were like (laughs) guys and we walked into the shop my husband goes do not say a word to anybody and I was like and like we walk in and everybody was just like look like we just people were like you guys are what is going on just what happened like you guys are weird and we were like nothing nothing never I tried to get him fired I'm like you and then it just all came out so we we were business partners before we were lovers um but one of the things like like you said just spending so much time together and trying to separate church and state is really hard and that was something when we owned our previous shop in California that we struggled with a lot because every conversation every conflict every business decision got brought home Mm -hmm. and mainly by me I had a really hard time turning it off because my brain is just like like I just am constantly thinking about the next step and my husband at the time was drinking really heavily um and so he was able to 
tune it all out, right? Because you would just mm-hmm. get drunk, just tune it out, everything, tune out everything. And so it was like a blessing and a curse for him, uh, mainly a curse for me because I was just kind of like floundering, like all these big decisions and I'm having a hard time making it with him because he's not really there to make it. And then we had our daughter and that first like two years of owning the shop was really hard. There was a lot of big changes, but we made it through. We extremely successful shop. We were one of the better shops in Southern California. And then we got married and had our daughter. And then our business partner ended up doing something really creepy and basically forced our hand to sell the shop to him. So he ended up crossing a line with Nova. Luckily didn't hurt her, but could have hurt her. And I caught him in the midst of it. So we um, sold our shop and that was really hard because Rory felt very out of control. Like his daughter was put in harm's way and there's nothing he can do about it. The police were called. There was like, sorry, all you can do is just kind of get away from him. And so that caused a lot of issues. But then Rory getting sober and being an actual partner, life partner, business partner, um, shifted a lot for us because then we both were in control. We were both making good decisions. And so when we sold the shop, that was really hard for us because that was our baby. We built it from the ground up basically, but it also gave us like, it allowed us to look up and look out and gave us the opportunity to look for other opportunities. And so when we decided to move out of California, that was a huge business decision for us because we're not just, you know, we don't just work normal jobs. We, we work with people and we have to have people who want us to work on them or otherwise we're not making money. If we don't physically trade our time mm-hmm. with somebody who wants it, we're not going to make any money. And we don't, like, you know, it's not like one of us has a normal job that you can just transfer to a different location or whatever. So that was one of the biggest business decisions that we ever made that we had to come together and be really solid on was, okay, we're moving. We're getting out of California. We're going to try something new. We're going to get up to Oregon. We started working at a shop, um, just to transition into, we thought it was going to be a really great fit. Got catfished like a motherfucker. That guy was And (laughs) like, we just got catfished so bad. And so when we quit that shop, and that's another thing is like working as two tattooers, we kind of work as one, we share a booth. We, Hmm. um, so it's like any shop that takes us, takes us together. We never work separately. And that's another thing is people like, well, why don't you guys just work at different shops? Well, we kind of were a package deal. And I think it would be really weird for us to work separately because we've never worked separately. And so people are always like, how do you guys spend so much time together and work together and live together and love together? Like, how do you do all those things? And I think what it is, is we've never known any different. The two of us have always been together. So even when we were coworkers, people that work in a shop spend more time with the fellow tattooers than they do their own families. So I spent more time with Rory on a day-to-day basis than I did whoever I was dating at the time Mm -hmm. or who, you know, my parents or my best friends. So we've only ever known spending kind of every waking hour with each other. So when we moved up here and we got into that shop, quit that shop, we're a package deal. Where are we going to go? 
we randomly had a friend that we'd met at a convention years ago, hit us up and say, Hey, I've always wanted to open a shop in Redmond. And I see that you're living there now. Would you be willing to help me? And it was like literally days after quitting, we got that text. And so it was like, okay, it's like, you have to release to receive, Mm -hmm. you know? So we like released that awful opportunity, left our hands open and like received this amazing opportunity. And we were like, okay, so we're just going to run the place. We're not going to own it. He was like, yeah, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. I'll do everything. So we're like, okay. So we help him open it, get it up and running. We opened in January of 2020 cool 2020 Mm -hmm. um we were shut down for only six weeks which was a huge blessing and got back to work and we just built that shop up over the last two years together and more like effortlessly than we ever did before we just had a new rhythm like a new song and dance we just kind of going through all the turmoil we went through and all the trauma we went through with the first shop just kind of set us up for like I don't know. We just kind of like let things roll off our backs that before would catch us up. Um, and then being each other's only people here, we don't have family here. We've made friends, but you know, there's, that's different as an adult. It's weird to make new friends as an adult, especially with kids. It's like weird. So we are each other's community. So it's like, I think when maybe I have Stockholm syndrome, I don't know. (laughs) I think when they're your only one, they're your only one right? Yeah. It's, it's hard because we still bring the conversations from the shop home, but we've also learned like nothing's going to change having the conversation here. Yeah. If something needs to be resolved, it has to be resolved at the shop. Yeah. I think that's the biggest piece too, is that people think like, Oh, excuse me. Some (laughs) people always say like, Oh, like you need to have like a separation from work and life. And I'm like, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like Renee is my best friend. He's my partner in everything Mm -hmm. that we do. Our business is our life. Mm -hmm. So we have separation of our life and business. We don't because our business is our life. Our business Mm -hmm. is what creates our life and Mm -hmm. um, not in an unhealthy way. uh, But I mean, he is, like you said, he's my community. He's my partner in, um, in business, which feeds our life. So mm-hmm. I think it doesn't have to be like a huge separation. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, it can be intertwined, but knowing when, um, to shut it off and knowing when to be like, okay, now we're relaxing and we're going to worry mm-hmm. about that later. Totally. I think that comes from like the ebb and the flow of having a relationship with someone. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm stressing about something, Renee's like, okay, we talk about it. And then we say like, okay, you know, we're going to table this until Monday when we can actually deal with it. Like we can't deal with yeah. it right now. Yeah. Cause what's the point of spinning your wheels? Like there's certain times, like something happens with one of our tattooers and it's like, we could go home and spin our wheels about it. We can address it, but do we have to spin our wheels? So it's like, we could talk and talk and talk till the sun comes up, or we could just enjoy each other knowing that that issue's on the back burner. Right. We'll deal with it later. Um, we've really had to learn how to do that because before it was really unhealthy. And now it's kind of like, sometimes we catch ourselves and we're like, ah, pointless. Like, yeah. let's just smoke a bowl and hang out. Mm-hmm, Why exactly. 
about X, Y, and Z when X, Y, and Z is over there and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like releasing control a lot of times Mm -hmm. with stuff like that. And that's just in business too, but it's almost just like if you're around your coworker all the time and you guys ended up going out to dinner or like having a happy hour, right? Happen that day. Yeah. You're going to talk about it, but then you also talk about other things Mm -hmm. and that's okay too. Like it just, yeah. We are, Um, if we worked two completely different jobs, I can tell him about it. He may not And that's another thing that's really beneficial about being with another Mm -hmm. tattoo. It's a weird industry. And he tattoos some really beautiful girls and in intimate places. And I tattoo some really handsome men in intimate places. And I'm on top of them, basically, you know, it's like, if he didn't know what it was like, I could see it causing a lot of issues because ignorance. And so it's so nice to be able to go, yeah, I got a tattoo this guy's inner thigh today. And he's like, ew, sucks. You know, like, it's not like, what? You're going to be near his dick? Like, it's not, like, literally, I've tattooed, Renee probably knows the guy too. It's so funny. Uh, (laughs) uh, I tattooed a horseshoe around a guy's dinghy, like, over his pubic area that said ringer. And oh. I think I, I think they've talked about this guy before. Possibly. Maybe. Or maybe that's just like a common thing that I like. So that day I, me and Rory were like freshly dating too. That day he comes in and he wants me to do this tattoo on him. And you always, if you're doing that area, you always stuff it in a sock. So he stuffed, <laughs> it, stuffed it in a sock because, you know, I just don't want to be, I want to look at it. Yeah just get it, just cover it up a little bit. So I'm doing it. And Rory walks up and goes, what is that? Your daughter's ankle sock. (laughs) And the client's like, what? And he's like, just saying it looks real like a small sock. And he was like, whatever, man. And like, they're joking about it. But I could see if Rory was not a tattooer and was like a banker and came into my work to say hi to me and saw me tattooing a guy's junk behind a privacy screen. Like he would probably be like, wait, excuse me. Right. What? You know, but it's just, there's a whole understanding of like, this just is our job. Yeah. You know, we're not, there's no, when we're, (laughs) and when people don't understand is when you're tattooing, you're not paying attention to anything else, but the line you're pulling but the shading you're doing you know it's like if Rory's tattooing in between a girl's big old nice boobs I just know he's literally so focused on pulling that line because she's breathing and she's probably twitching and it's annoying and her tits in the way and it's like it goes from being like a sexy breast to just like a fucking annoying tit in the way (laughs) you know all these things like just kind of disappear you just don't even care that you're doing that on somebody. It's just like, it's just a boob. Yeah. And it is like your job and your art yeah. and your, so it's not like some type of weird thing. No, it's yeah. And I mean, I've definitely had like male clients try to be weird and <laughs> it's like, people are so stupid, but like you just inflict a little more pain and they usually shut up, but like it would, it got a lot better 
when um, me and Rory started dating. So before me and Rory were dating, I got a lot more creepers. And then once like word got out that me and Rory were dating, I don't know if you've ever seen Rory, but he's six foot five covered in tattoos from head to toe. He looks, I told him last night because we were talking about like our daughter dating one day or like um, we were talking about like just how kind of creepy this world is. And there's a lot of creeps and stuff. And I was like, you know, honestly, I think you're really handsome, but I'm actually more in love with the fact that you're fucking gnarly looking. Like you're just, you're fucking scary. Like if you don't know you, you're like, you're a lot. You're kind of like, you're intimidating. And he's like, yeah, it kind of helps sometimes, you know, but it's like once they found out we were dating, it, a lot of it stopped because they would look over at Rory and his station. And they're like, fuck that. <laughs> not that guy looks crazy that guy looks fucking nuts like he i mean he's got a lot going on his big old gauges and, and scarification and his head's tattooed and big old goatee and he's fucking tall and gnarly looking like he looks like he would fuck somebody up nicest guy on the planet though like I know, just it's not funny an angel um i think that feeling is very like primal for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. i I had a similar situation where Renee one time, like, well, already I like that. He's like big, he's looks mm-hmm. kind of like scary. Um, but we had a, a situation one time where I've told this story a million times, but like a girl basically thought we were walking out of like a bar, um, at night and we we're walking with a guy that we had just met in this bar, May- maybe talk to him for two seconds, walks out with us because he's going out at the same time, a girl bus out of like an elevator because we're in a parking garage bus out of an elevator and this is when Renee and I were just like basically sleeping together that's it we Mm -hmm. were not dating um Mm -hmm. and she busts out of the elevator and she thinks that I am somehow affiliated with the guy that we had just met Mm -hmm. and goes to like fucking attack me (laughs) and me fight or flight who was like totally different mindset literally was like fight or flight. Okay. Flight. Like I left, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like halfway across the fucking garage and Renee like really stepped right in between us, pushed her off and Mm -hmm. like stood up for me in such Mm -hmm. a huge way that I was like, Oh, zaddy. That's whoa. Like, okay. Like I had never had that happen to me before. And I was like, Oh my God. And so like, it is really primal, right? To be like, oh, I'm like, I'm safe. I'm taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like I'm okay in your presence. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's like such a good feeling. Totally. It is. It's such a good feeling. And it's, it's interesting that, okay. So the other day we were talking about this, Rory was tattooing his client and his client was kind of like, kind of being a little, a little baby about it. And I was just making fun of him. We all do. We just kind of like joke around with them, just kind of lighten the mood. Cause it hurts, you know, you're tattooing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, dang, you're so mean. And I was like, I'm not mean. I'm just playing with you. And I'm just trying to make you smile. And it worked, you know? And I was like telling my coworker, I was like, you know, it's interesting because I really think I might be one of the nicest people ever. Like I'm, I am, I'm like, I help everybody I can. I'm the first person to open a door. I'm like, I try really hard to be really nice. And I don't know if that's like a, you know, some weird coping mechanism because all my life, I, all my life. I remember, um, I'll never forget it. There was a kid we went to school with named Scotty and he would go, Amber, when you walk across campus, you look like a fucking bitch. You just look <laughs> like you're somebody up all the time. 
And he's like, but I know you. So I know you're just like walking to class, but like, you just look like you're ready to fucking fight all the time. And so I, I don't know if that stuck with me until I'm like, oh, I need to be extra nice, but I just love loving people. But in the same tune, nobody ever fucks with me. And that's what I told, I told my coworker and Rory was like, just cause you just have a wall up. And I said, I don't have a wall up. I just, you just have a BF. Don't fuck with me. Not a big and deal. So, I know. And I was like, Rory, I was like, the only motherfucker that fucks with me is you. And he was like, no. and I was like, and so I can't be that mean because you're still sitting here alive, laughing, happy. So it's not like I'm going to murder somebody, but like, you're the only one that really crosses lines with me and tests me and you're still fine. So I'm pretty nice. He's like, yeah, okay, Amber, you're going to kill me in my sleep one day. And I was like, mm, can't promise Possibly. you. Possibly. <laughs> I um I was just joking with Renee about that too because um my parents were here and Renee loves to like tease me about my parents and that like when I'm with my parents I'm like such a baby I think they're gonna mm-hmm. save me from him teasing me and you know him he is like oh ultimate jokester mm-hmm. yeah which is a love language for him for sure and yeah, totally. um like if he's not joking with you I he doesn't like you right um but he Same. was joking around with me the entire weekend and just like really laying it on. And I was like, you know what? Like you love to watch that show snapped back in the day. It's going to be me. You're going to be on it. You're going to be the star of that show because I'm just going to fucking murder you one day. Yeah. One day it's just going to happen. Like it's just Lights gonna out. Be like, and no one's going to be fucking surprised. No, because- <laughs> Nobody's gonna be surprised. we were just watching a show the other night and like the wife, um, shot the husband in the head while he was sleeping, right? Just <laughs> instant death. Rory looks over and he goes, if you're ever going to do it, that's the that's way. The way. Like, Fuck that motherfucker. You're going to suffer. And I'm going to look <laughs> into your eyes while you suffer. And he's like, God, oh, I know, I know. And I was like, stop, stop crossing the lines. Oh, he's so like, funny. I know, I know. But we like, we joke about it. Cause it's like, we were talking about fighting because our next door neighbors, they're very, we live in a duplex and they're just the sweetest, most mild mannered people. You never hear them. Our house sounds like a three ring circus with kids and us. And if we're fighting, it's loud. We're both Aries. It's like, so there's a lot of passion in this house. And so he was like, isn't that kind of sad though? You like never hear them fighting. And I was like, (laughs) what? And he was like, I mean, like, you know, you know, it's like, there's just no, they just don't have any passion. Like, why are you just, could you imagine just not caring enough, not caring enough to fight, fight for it and fight for your love. And I was like, no, I get, I get where you're coming from, but like, it might be kind of nice (laughs) to not fight over stupid stuff just to prove that we love each other. Like we know we love each other. He's like, yeah, but I just feel like it's just kind of sad. Like maybe they're just really unhappy over there. And I was like, I don't know, maybe, but there is something to be said about that, about the way that people, um, like, I want to say like put on, um, almost like a mask. Like when you never see people fight couples fight, like there's always disagreements and like, there's always things, you know? So if people, when people are like, no, we like never really fight. I'm like, uh, are you sure? Because yeah. are you really saying what you truly feel? Cause I mean, sometimes like there's things that annoy you about the person that you're with all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, especially when you're working together, like last, um, yeah. 
even in the last few months, Renee and I do on Fridays, we do our billing. So mm-hmm. I have to call him and, um, we have to go over it. So we're on the phone talking about it. And, um, you know, sometimes there can be fucking confusion of like, mm-hmm. you said this, but you meant this. Okay. Whatever. Right. And, um, I mean, it was for a while, like where we would fight every single time, mm-hmm. every single time I would be like, you're not fucking listening, like, <laughs> and hang up. And I would just mm-hmm. be like, I can't deal with you. Mm-hmm. Um, or he would be like the same way. Right. So we would just get in a screaming match. And then like, I think it was like a few months ago, maybe six months ago or so. Renee was like, at the end, we get through all our billing and he's like, we didn't fight. That was so cool. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that, that, whoa, that's different. Like, you know, so I was like, yeah, these things fucking happen. And it, it doesn't, um, one of my favorite phrases is like, it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't mean that, right. um, that you're not super special to me. It doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. you know, just because we have a disagreement or just because in this moment we get heated doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. And I think I right. always used to make everything mean, mean something. something. Yes. Everything had like some significant, that's something that me and Rory have really had to work through. So I'm looking around my house right now. I'm sitting at my dinner table and it's like, it's, a, there's blankets and kids clothes and like open cans of LaCroix and like a pile (laughs) of business stuff and like a pile of baby shit over there and like toys over here and a bottle on the ground and it's like Rory grew up in a really like um a lot of chaos so when he sees this this means unstable unsafe Mm chaos right but to me this just means life like this life happened this morning I haven't cleaned up after it so we've had to really work with like what does this kind of stuff mean or does it not mean anything could it just be it just is what it is and last night I was super stoned making dinner and that's what we do every night like that's our thing I do no other drugs I don't drink I I'm just such a basic mom, but at night, me and Rory love to smoke a bowl together. It's like our chill time, put the kids down, relax. Like he'll make cookies at 10 o'clock at night. Probably why I have this pooch that won't go away. Like just, but I love it. It's like just our bonding time. And so last night I'm making this really bomb dinner that like, he calls me kitchen magician. Like I can make something gourmet out of it. <laughs> funny. And so I'm cooking and I look over at him and he's like, he says something, I think he said something about the dishes or something. And I go, okay, here's how it could be. I was like, I could be a neat freak, but can't feed you. Or I could feed you and just be a little messy. And he was like, oh, it's one or the other. And I was like, yeah, it is. I know people, people very close to me in my life that can't cook a box of macaroni and cheese, but their house is meticulous immaculate everything's got its place not an ounce of dust on anything or I know people that kill it in the kitchen are super creative like you know make things happen in life and their house is a fucking mess which would you rather have it's one or the other and he's like I guess I'll take the food and I was like okay so it's just like instead of making this mess have such a big grandiose meaning it just is what it is it's yeah. just, it's just life. We have three kids. We work full time. We, you know, it's like just life. Like the can of open LaCroix on the counter is not going to be 
what determines our value as humans and parents and business owners and partners and like just just is a can on the counter. Exactly. I love that because it's like this doesn't have to be my worth the way that these things look to other mm-hmm. people because mm-hmm. um just like not tapping into the chaos aspect because that's totally um a different thing but um like feeling like we have to have things together or we're not worth, like you said, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, if I can't like cook, clean, do all this, run the business and like be there for my husband, then somehow I'm not enough as a wife. Mm -hmm. I think that definitely is a huge thing for women is like, I need to be doing everything. That was, Mm -hmm. I always want to be superwoman. And there's a definitely a fine line between like, what am I, um, what, am I doing, am I not doing the, you know, are these dishes in the sink or the, um, stuff like strewn everywhere because I'm lazy Mm -hmm. or is it because I actually didn't have time? Right. Because like like there, there was other priorities, right? There's other things that come first, other things going on, like, and that's okay. Why does it, that's what I mean. That's been our biggest struggle is like (coughs) tidiness cleanliness and what does that mean to each other and why is it so valuable or not valuable and something that like I kind of discovered haphazardly through like not arguing with my mom but um just kind of going back and forth about life and she said something that really struck a chord with me because Rory was complaining about the house not being tidy enough. And I just said, it's just so frustrating because I feel like that's where my value lies is in my cleanliness. And she goes, well, Amber, you've always been kind of filthy. Filthy. That's like such a really hard word. That's a really hard word. Right. And I thought filthy, like, no, I'm clean. I'm a, I'm a clean human. I'm, I don't have like food crusted over in the corner there's not fucking cockroaches but like yeah the blankets aren't folded the bed's not made like does that make me filthy or does that just like mean I have different priorities and then I got to thinking like as a kid and this is something I really focus on with my kids is being present with them I was alone a lot as a kid like pretty much from when I started grade school, I was alone every day after school until my parents got home at like seven or eight o'clock at night. They both commuted, worked, you know, out of, out of the city. It was like, they both worked down the hill. We grew up in Apple Valley. So it's like, you know, so I was alone a lot. So my, um, I had nobody to impress, right? Like my room was a mess. It was just me in my room. Me and my brother were always told to just like, I stay upstairs. He stays downstairs. So we didn't argue all day. And so I was forced to be alone. And so my standards for like what was acceptable were based off of my needs, not anybody else's needs. And so now that like being in, you know, we've been together for 10 years and it's funny because her saying that brought a lot to the forefront about loneliness. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I do need to start being a little bit more tidy because I don't want to be alone. Mm. Mess meant alone or right. like untidiness meant I was alone. Isolated. I'm not alone anymore. So it's like, why am, you know, I'm, why do I lean into those 
habits, when I don't want to be alone, I want to be in my family. I want to have my husband. I want these things. So it's like, now I've, you know, I shift focus a little bit and like, I'm just making it more of a habit to be more tidy, but I'm not leaning into it. Like that's my worth. Cause I'm not, I'm not filthy. I'm not tidy and I'm not tidy because I was always alone. So it's a growing process to realize like, well, so all you have to do is just like pick up, fold up the blankets and Rory will be happy and he won't leave me. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he would leave me over blankets, but it's like the, the child says, if I don't clean this and if I don't make this perfect for him, he's going to be gone. I'm going to be alone. Well, no, he's not, I'm not gonna be alone, but I could make him a little bit more comfortable. Right. So that I could have the things that I want. So it's interesting when you have these conflicts or these conversations. Um, and did my mom really think I was filthy? I don't think so. I think she just, that's just the word she used at the time, but it was the word I needed to hear because it kind of pissed me off enough to start to evaluate why I was that way. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's interesting seeing things from our parents' perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, oh, okay. And then it makes you go back and like reevaluate. Oh shit. Like, is that why I do that? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, um, we were talking about this on the last podcast is like self-awareness and Mm -hmm. being self-aware and how valuable that is. And like, I think what you perfectly described is like balance, right? Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't have to put my worth in keeping my house perfect Mm -hmm. or picking up these blankets or equivalent, uh, yeah. Equivalent equate that to, yeah. um, equivalent. That was a good one. I was like, I don't think that's a word. <laughs> I don't, you, we don't have to equate it to uh-huh. him leaving, but you're also kind of like, Oh, okay. I'm being honest with myself that like, yeah, I could be a little bit better at this. Right. Um, and not, I, I had the same thing where I'm like, I'm defiant. I think I saw my mom be really submissive to my dad in front mm-hmm. of us and not in a, not in a weird way. I just, my dad is old school. So my dad like leaves his plate mm-hmm. on the table and, you know, leaves his shoes right where he takes them off. And mm-hmm. my, I always saw my mom kind of like get angry with yep. that. Yeah. But still pick, but doing. still do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always like, and then I saw my dad be submissive to my mom in other areas. And so I was always like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I would like, and Renee's, you know, Renee's parents are super old school. Mm -hmm. So like he's very old school. And I think for a long time, I resisted that a lot. Yeah. You're like, put your own shit away. Yes. And then I realized like, I don't have to, like, it's okay for me to do those things. So big. Yeah. It doesn't have to mean that I'm going to turn out this way or that I'm going to be disrespected or Mm -hmm. anything. It just, it can be also like me caring for him and saying like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'll do that for you. Like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You have to tell me like a memory that you have with Renee and I'll, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he'd be fine for us to air it, but I'll double check with them, but it doesn't have to be an embarrassing one, but no, you I'm just trying memory. To I just, there's, so it's like high school feels like such a blur to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I think, I think middle school was really traumatic. Middle school was fucking awful. Um, and then high school, I just kind of got through it. I wasn't like, I had a lot of friends, but I wasn't like super 
social. I just like, I was friends with everybody. I bounced around from every group and just like, I don't know, but I, I just remember him in floral design. Like floral, just, Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. We took a floral design. You meant like a but, floral shirt. No, no, a floral design shirt. No, we, um, so we had it at school, we had a floral design class. It was an elective and the teacher was such a creep. And we just would crack up all the, I just remember laughing with Renee. Like, I don't even know what we would say, but I just remember like deep belly laughing with him about the dumbest shit because we just had the same stupid sense of humor. <laughs> and I was always friends with all the guys. I was like the guy's girl. And so I, I don't know. I just remember just hysterically laughing. And I'm pretty sure we had the same, we drove, we were on the same bus like the first couple of years of high school, I want to say, I remember him on the bus and just hysterically laughing. Just did you live close to his parents' house? I don't know. I don't know. We weren't on the same stop. I don't think unless he was on the bus and like was going home with somebody else. Cause it was a lot more lenient back then. You could just yeah. kind of jump on the bus and go anywhere. Um, but I just remember cracking up with him hysterically. I also remember them doing, um, boxing matches at the Oregel's house did he ever tell you like they would do like yeah. full-on like boxing actually, actually yes okay uh-huh. yeah yeah and I just remember like just always being in a at the Oregel's with um Papa and Dusty and just like all those guys just hysterically laughing that's what I remember the most because he was just so fucking funny all the time he always had something to say and it was always on point hilarious. Yeah, he is like that. He's um that's why I love hanging out with all of them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a lot it's yeah, it's just fun. Like it's mm-hmm. like they're hilarious together. Really you know, fun. I got closer with so like Papa was my uh freshman year homecoming date. Oh yeah, he told me that. It was and we were just like such dorks, right? Like I look back on these pictures like what were we doing? <laughs> um we were in French class together. So they're a year older than me. And so we were in French class together. And I remember him asking me if I would go to homecoming with him. And I was like, he was like the coolest guy on campus, right? Like (laughs) Papa, Papa Lim. And I remember being like, um, yes. And I was so, I was disgustingly nervous. Right. But I had the biggest crush on him. So I was like, okay. And I went and bought this silver dress. I had this awful updo that like ringlet curls, like gross. And, um, when I told him I was wearing a silver dress, he was, oh no, I think he told me to buy a silver dress because he wanted to spray his hair silver, like Cisco. <gasps> yes. I have seen this picture. I've seen okay, this picture. So he had, he had silver, he sprayed his hair silver. Oh my God. And he, um, <laughs> so I got a silver dress to match and I remember our picture. So he's shorter than me. So there's that. That's hilarious. Um, and <laughs> they wanted to put him on a box. <laughs> and he wouldn't stand. He was like, Fuck, that was standing on the box. So I like hunched over like the most unflattering position for me. I'm like smiling all super dorky. The, I look terrified in the picture. I look like I'm so scared and I'm actually like having the time of my life, but I was just like so uncomfortable. And I, when you're young, you don't know how to like smile. Right. You're like, like, just like all cheese in and <laughs> so, yeah. And then I remember dancing with him all night long and he did he did the napkin dance he came up with and he would wipe because he was sweating and the silver was like dripping oh down my his God. he had like a napkin dance that he was doing and just hilarious and then 
after high school, me and him reconnected. Um, I went to New York and visited him and oh, stuff. You did. And, nice. Yeah. He, he got me an art show there, which was really cool. I did a solo art show at this cafe he was working at. So connected with him a lot after high school. Um, and then like life, you know, happens and it's craziness, but yeah. Um, so many memories and like just drinking with dusty at parties and just all the things. That's so funny. Let's do the rapid fire. Shall right, we? Yeah. Okay. So, um, we'll do the rapid fire questions, um, to end it and then okay. we'll close it out. I feel like I was going to say something else and now I don't know what, what I was going to say. Okay. Um, favorite food. Oh, my grandma's kibby. What is kibby? It's middle. So my grandmother's Syrian. Okay. Um, kibby is ground lamb shaped into like a little football and there's pine nuts in it. And it's seasoned mm. with like, just like all the best seasoning. There's like cinnamon in it and nutmeg and pepper. And it's just the fucking, and I'm vegetarian, but I would eat kibby all day, every day. If my grandma could make it, send it to me. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. Um, so you said you're both you and, um, Rory are both Aries. Yep. We're eight days apart. Okay. So I was going to ask you, that's a question that I ask is what sign are you most like most attracted to, or most in your present in your life? Leo. Leo. All, all my best friends are Leos. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine a Leo and an Aries together. It's a lot of energy. Yeah. A lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is your drink order? If you're going to a bar, what do you order? Okay. So what are, are you sober or no? Uh, so I, I drink when like, I want just it sounds good. Like it's, but I don't drink to drink. It's okay. like, if I'm at, I'll have a drink, but like, um, so when I was drinking my drink order, my go-to was a gin and tonic, but it had to be beef eater gin. Beef eater is like the fucking best gin ever. So I would do gin and tonic. So I'm like an old lady. Um, I love gin and tonic too. Oh, so I used good. to order that when I was like 19 and I'm yeah. like, Am I an old 70 year old man? No. Like, yeah. Have you ever had beef eater? I have. Yeah. I like it. So smooth. Um, and then like, if I am, and, and then if I'm going to get a beer, it's going to be a blue moon, just like a, mm. just something good and juicy, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about, okay. Coffee order. Oh, coffee uh, order. I am a dirty chai kind of gal. Ooh. Yum. I like I see things. I see that. Um, (laughs) okay. If you weren't a tattooer right now, what would you be doing? If I wasn't a tattooer, if everything had worked out as it was supposed to, (laughs) I would be uh, an interior designer. Oh yes. So you always have that like artistic. Yeah. So interior design was actually suggested to me by my sister-in-law because her cousin's an interior designer who's really successful. Um, and it was just a creative avenue to still like be able to flex my, my creative muscle, but make money and feel stable and kind of have that corporate teamwork kind of vibe that I really like. Um, but I graduated in 09 when the economy was completely dick in the dirt. So tattooing was the, the next thing that fell into my lap and I'm fucking forever grateful that it did. 
Love it. Love it. Um, what's the best Amazon purchase you've made this month? Ooh, this is going to sound so lame, but, um, my son, my eight month old suffers from eczema really bad. And I got him this spray that really kicked it in the ass. This <laughs> fucking, we sprayed it on him yesterday. And this morning he woke up and I was like, babe, look at his eczema it looks so much better. And he was like, yeah, he hasn't been scratching this morning. And I was like, fuck yeah. Best $20 I ever spent. Hell yeah. I love that. Have you ever like a fun game to play is like, um, switch phones with someone on their Amazon, like homepage. So fun. Yeah. And just see like, what is recommended to them? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, let's see. Hold on. My phone's right here. I want to see what's recommended to me. Now that I, like now that I think about it, let's go to the home. Page. Let's see. I love uh, that. It's so interesting. It's a uh, goat milk powder, home decor stuff. Okay. Clothes. Cute. Baby cribs. Gloves. Tattooing. <laughs> Cooking shit. Oh, that is so amazing. Oh God. It's like oh, more, more gloves. Oh, I want to get one of these for the kids. Have you ever seen those, those sensory swings? No, like that, you know what that looks like? It looks like the thing that they give you at the hospital for their. Oh, no, this, thing's all... this is like, you sit inside of it. Um, shelving units, <laughs> mugs, lighting, like just the most random goat milk, like just most random shit. I love it. I love doing that. Um, okay. If you're going to the movies, what candy are you bringing? Ooh, uh, sour patch kids. Ooh, yes. Love it. Love it. I feel like. Well, everyone's either like gummy or chocolate. Yeah. 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 Rory would be like, uh, Rory would get like thin mints or like Ooh. York peppermint patties mm-hmm. or like, um, a dark chocolate Hershey's bar. But I'm like, I want something that's going to in the corner of my jaw, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a mix of both. I like both. I need both. Yeah. I don't, I can't choose. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also need something salty to cancel. cancel. Yes. What do you put? Do you put stuff on your popcorn? Butter. Butter. <laughs> Bring out like candy. Do you, put, do you ever put chocolate in your popcorn or no? No. Oh, no. no. I like that. A lot of people <laughs> like butter, that. of course. <laughs> butter. That is a thing Renee would say. We actually bought, um, Renee loves a movie theater popcorn, like extra, mm-hmm. extra butter. But yeah. we never go to the movies. We just no, never have been like that fall asleep it's a waste of money i mean we've been probably like four or five times since we've known each other um so i was at target the other day i'm buying popcorn and they have the movie theater butter in a little thing like a squeezy thing Uh uh-huh it's the best thing ever okay (laughs) it's like i don't even really get down with popcorn like that like i like it but i'm never gonna be like craving it yeah oh my god we will fuck that shit up like watching like a movie on Sundays, like literally just, yeah. Oh my God. It's good. Yeah. If you, you like butter popcorn, you got to find that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. Renee's new kink. It's going to be it. Dude. I didn't even, I haven't even like said anything. I was going to say my, um, my confidence thing, but, um, I was like, I don't know if I want to share this yet. I got my nipples pierced. Did you, how did it feel really painful? Like, Gnarly, really, right? The second gnarly. one's way worse, huh? Yes. That's exactly what I felt. I was like, <laughs> okay, I think it's going to be a little bit better. Yeah. It wasn't, um, uh-huh. <laughs> it's really, really hard. 
yeah, but it was, it was a really cathartic talking about cathartic because, yeah. um, you know, it's pain, but I do this with tattoos too now because of Renee, like mm-hmm. how can I find neutrality in the pain versus like, yes. just, I'm like such a tense person. I'm like, just like, up. Kind of, don't experience every needle, just like experience yeah. the experience. Exactly. So yeah, it was like a good lesson for me in that, but, um, now, they now? they're fine now. That's been oh. like what, two weeks, I think. Okay, good. Two and a half weeks, maybe. Um, so they're like, you know, they get a little bit crusty, but they're not, yeah. they're not sore or anything like good. that. It was maybe like two days, I think one or two days. Good. So, My yeah. husband has his nipples pierced and every, every kid just grabs them all the time. Oh God. Um, I want to say thank you so much for coming. I think it's a really fun episode and certainly chocked full of valuable takeaways, not only for business, but for moms, for just life in general. So I want to just say thanks so much for coming. Yeah. This was so fun, dude. I'm so glad you could come. Um, so I will talk to you guys next week. I'll have everything linked down below. If you guys are in Oregon, obviously, wait, did you close your books? My books are closed until, so I have to have a hysterectomy in November. So I have six weeks of healing. So January and February I'm booking right now. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I'll have her link down below. If you guys are in the area, hit her up. Um, we need to get tattooed by you by the way. Yeah, yes. we would love well, to do that. Hopefully in January, I'm going to be coming down. We're trying to figure it out for me to come down. Um, cause I have a Arbonne conference. I think January 28th. So sometime around there, I'm going to come down and guest spot at my homegirl shop. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have to tell me the actual dates. Cause we do want yeah. it. Renee's been saying that too, for a long time. I would love that. That would, that be, would be really fun. Yeah. Okay. So I will see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for Thank listening. You. And until next week, don't forget to let your confidence shine.